I am so excited to bring to you a remarkable entrepreneur that has made a huge difference in my group, my company, uh, our mastermind of financial advisors, some of the top in the world. And, and this is uh, someone I normally don't bring people over from this, but I, I got to share him with the world because he is an amazing entrepreneur and inspires tremendous action. But it's not only that, he is a remarkable individual on so many fronts. Uh, he's a champion swimmer. Uh, some of you uh, will know his name, John Neighbor, from uh, the Olympics in 1976, where he won, I mean, count them, five medals, four goals. Uh, he was also in the Olympic Hall of Fame. And, and this would be enough just right there to probably have him on, but that's not why I invited him. He's also the president of the U. He has been elected twice as the president of the U.S. Olympics, uh, chosen by USA Today as one of the you know, Xerox 100 top golden Olympians. And uh, the reason, though, I wanted to have him here is because, quite honestly, he inspired me so much. He is a, an observer of excellence. And uh, he's, you know, as a broadcaster himself, uh, he's covered 30 different Olympians or Olympic uh, sports, filing you know, at 10 games and both winter and summer. And what, what I loved about his work, and when we had him come speak, one of my partners, Jonathan Powell, who was captain of the Stanford swim team, so a fellow swimmer, uh, with John, you know, he told me how great this individual was. And I'm going to say it'd be fun to see somebody that's, you know, was a former Olympian. But what John did, and he imagined 200 of the most cynical uh, fellow entrepreneurs out there, financial advisors, they were all just, uh, it was after dinner, after a wine tasting event and so on, not one of them left the room. And John shared what he has learned in working with so many Olympians, not only himself and others. And there, there's kind of an eight-step strategy that I wanted to bring to you that is going to be so valuable that you don't want to miss this. I am John Bowen. We are at AES Nation, all about accelerating your entrepreneurial success. And stay tuned. You want each of these eight lessons. Ordinary success? No way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional breakthroughs. Dig deep, think bold, drive hard, watch yourself soar beyond your dreams. AESNation.com. I am so excited to have you here with us today. You know, hopefully. You heard that in my voice for the introduction, but uh, you knocked it out of the park in our group. Uh, I've never seen, I mean, with all the speakers, I've been doing this for many years, to have everyone line up for over a half an hour to get their photo with you uh, was just amazing. So thank you for that event, but also thank you for joining me today. It's my pleasure, John, and thank you for your kind words. I take that as a, as a sixth gold medal. Yeah, no, well, you know, you, you uh, definitely, if we were awarding gold medals for that presentation, we would have uh, uh, done it for, you know, for the conference. But 
what I want to do, John, is I, I want to dive in real quickly into you know the the eight steps of that awakening the Olympic Olympian within each of us. But before that, you know, I, I'm not. I want to just make sure I did justice to the backstory. I mean, because this is so often we you know many of us that do events and so on we have kind of celebrity speakers come and and you are a celebrity but i, I gotta tell you you're not a celebrity speaker and what do i mean by that you are a phenomenal speaker sharing a very powerful message that was not all about your own personal story but the journey you've had and the privilege of working with so many other people to make a difference. So I, I just maybe just a second for you know, a few seconds for kind of the backstory. How did this all come together? Well, when I spoke to your group, you had Joel Weldon in the crowd and he is a, a master professional speaker. When he said I wasn't a celebrity speaker, I sort of turned at him and then he said, you're a professional speaker and that's the highest praise I could possibly ask for. I don't want to be known as a guy who tells his own story. I want to be known as a guy who delivers value when he explains how anybody can think and act like an Olympian. They can behave with the same kind of competitive drive and achieve the same kind of exceptional results as an Olympian. And that's why the process, the gold medal process, is more important to me as, a, as an item of conversation than the John Neighbor story. I didn't have a thrilling, exciting story, but I do know that there's a way to accomplish extraordinary results when you follow the examples that Olympians use all the time. Well, you know, John, I do know you actually do have a thrilling story because I watched you during those days and uh, very impressive. But what I did love, and, and I think this is one of the reasons why uh, Joel Weldon, you know, one of the top professional speaking coaches, we had him attending the event as well. and said that you're in the top 20 speakers out there nationally today. And I think the reason was that so often people love to tell the story about themselves, but what you did is share, you know, you brought us along on this journey of becoming an Olympic star and introduce us to so many of the people who were involved in your life and how they did it. And you, you did it around a framing that I wanted to share with our fellow entrepreneurs because I'd like everyone to, to really execute these and take them to heart. You know, we're going to make available at AES Nation the transcription. So you're going to have, you know, these. And I, this is so important. But let's kick it off right away, John. I mean, the very first, you talk about the dream. And, you know, tell me what you mean there. Well, first of all, the gold medal process is a means by which any individual can make their dreams come true. It's not just watching it happen, but it's actually making it happen. And the first step of making your dream come true is to have a dream. Now, I'm not talking about drifting off into slumberland and having a fantasy dream with, uh, you know, Angelina Jolie appearing. No, I'm talking about having the desire to experience a particular emotional response. Now in business, people take things very professionally and they say, don't get all emotional on me, let's keep this professional. But I found that Olympians begin with the desire to experience a particular emotion. Let me say that a different way. I didn't want to win the gold medal in the backstroke as much as I wanted to feel like the best in the world at something. And if that feeling comes true, then the dream comes true. And so I encourage my audiences to allow themselves to stop for a minute and say, what feeling do you want to experience at the end of the week or the month or the year or of your career? What do you want to feel like? And we all want to feel competent 
at our jobs, but but especially we want to feel excellent at it. We want to feel respected and admired by our peers. We want to feel the affection of our loved ones. We are emotional beings, and to not allow ourselves to think about those emotions is really uh, uh, missing the chance to use one of the most powerful arrows in our quiver. Allow yourself to start by saying, what do I want to feel like? What's the emotion I'm looking for? And that is the definition of a dream. Uh, it's great, John. And then you continue with number two is about faith. And boy, th this is one, you know, to, for all of us, uh, that's just so important because nobody gets out of life unscarred. Well, I think everybody has lots of dreams growing up, but the ones we pursue are the ones we believe we can achieve. So faith, I happen to have a religious faith, but that's not what I'm talking about. The faith in the, in the process is, do you believe that your dream is in fact achievable? Uh, if my dream was to ride the winning horse at the Kentucky Derby at six feet, six inches and over 200 pounds, I would never have the faith to do so. And so I would probably choose a different dream. Well, in swimming, I looked at my face in the mirror as a high school freshman, and I said, is there, is there a chance that you might be declared the best in the world at this sport. And I heard the words in the back of my mind, why not, why not? And since I had no answer to the why not question, I began believing maybe so. And once you get to that point, once you say to yourself, it could happen, it's possible, then all of a sudden you've accomplished step number two and it's time to move on. Well, John, one of the things I wanna just, you know, as you're listening to this, everyone, uh, I want you to imagine what was going on in our dinner meeting as John's sharing this because everybody's just kind of pausing and, you know, we start with number one, the dream. And, you know, as entrepreneurs, each and every one of us has a dream and that faith, you know, sometimes you know, we go, why not? And some of us use uh, four letter words in that why not? But, but you know, it's, it, you've got to, you know, as we go through this, I want you to be thinking about your own personal experience, because this was something that was so moving for everyone in the uh, room. And, you know, John, we can have, you know, the, the dream, we have the faith. Okay, but, you know, this is something as entrepreneurs, we've got to quantify it, and you went to the goal right away. Yeah, once you realize that the dream is achievable, then you have to find a measurable standard of performance. And that, of course, is a goal. And in the sport of swimming, I was a backstroker. And so what I did is I said to myself, how fast must I swim the 100 meter backstroke at the next Olympics in order to feel like the best in the world? So using my dream that I now believed in, I had to quantify how many you know, yards must I swim? How fast did I have to go? And I took the winning time of the previous two Olympics and I extrapolated the curve four years into the future and I said, how fast will the world be swimming this race then? And how fast must I go to be the best in the world? And I anticipated 55 and a half seconds. 55.5 was a number I could write down on an index card and put that on the bathroom mirror next to the face that I you know, brushed uh, with the toothpaste and said to myself, this is how fast I have to go. By writing it down, it stopped moving away. It became a concrete goal and a target that stopped drifting. And now I could focus my energies on only those things that would reach, that would affect my ability to reach that goal. Yeah, John, this is great. I mean, the, one of the key things that, you know, as entrepreneurs, you know, we do get, you know, we, we, most of us understand the concept of goals. And sometimes though, as we have more and more success, we let it go. and. 
But once we get clear on where we want to go, I, I love your step four. It's just such a logical one. And to, to hit the 55 seconds, there, there's got to be a plan. There's got to be a strategy that you implement. And how do you see your, your fellow entrepreneurs actually you know, putting this together here? Well, one of the easiest ways to accomplish great results is to mimic or copy those that have gone before. And so as an athlete, what I wanted to do is I needed a really good coach who could articulate and teach me how to perform the skills necessary to be good. And so you might get a mentor. You might hire a, a CEG Worldwide to, to guide you. You might uh, ask your boss for advice. You might study in, in literature somebody who is in your line of work who is greatly successful. Uh, some of the great coaches of all time say, read the fabulous books the Think and Grow Rich, the Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Learn what, what successful people have done before you and then you can mimic it. I would also study what the existing world record holder, an East German backstroker named Roland Mathis, I studied what he did, both in training and in competition. The goal is to be as good as somebody who's been there before and you need a strategy to do that. How many yards must I swim? How much weights must I lift? Uh, where's the best competition? Which race should I enter? All of these factors played into my ability to be the best at some point. No, it's it's so, uh, I mean, this is something that we see over and over again, you know, is that there's someone who's done it before us and or is doing it currently. And as entrepreneurs, I mean, there, there are only so many world-class swimmers, but, and certainly backstroke, uh, uh, but what, what we have, we have a real privilege in today's world with all the information, all the talent, the coaches, the different, you know, for the price of a book, $10, we have these. And, and this is where we've got to take the time to make sure that we are really creating that strategy and plan. Now, what I like, though, when we got to number five, you know, you, you already had all of us at this point, John, but number five is it's taking that kind of that short term steps, kind of those quick steps. And this is something so many entrepreneurs are quick starts. How did how did you use that and your fellow Olympians and how as entrepreneurs can we use it as well? Well, one thing that's really special and unique about the Olympics is they only occur once every four years. And as a result, I knew well in advance on what day I was going to have to be at my absolute best at the Olympic Games. I could predict four years in advance on that particular date I had to be at my best. And a good plan includes a deadline. At what point do you need to accomplish this? If I break the world record the day after the Olympics are over, I'll feel like a fool, not like the best, although mathematically I perhaps was the fastest. So step five is take your big goal and break it up into smaller bite-sized stepping stones so that I knew I had to improve, let's say, four seconds in the 100-meter backstroke. Well, I had, a, I had four years to do it in, so I only had to improve a second a year or a tenth of a second a month or a three-hundredth of a second a day or one twelve-thousandth of a second for every hour I was in the pool training. And now four seconds is a large chunk of time to drop off a 100-meter. But one twelve hundredth of a second is only one sixth of the blink of an eye. And as a result, I could feel confident that today, in the next hour of training, I could do something that would improve my performance by that slightest of margin. The hard part is doing it four hours a day, six days a week, 11 months a year for the course of the career. And that's the trick. 
is to have short-term stepping stones that are achievable and continual effort, constant progress towards your eventual goal. Yeah, and John, you know, as entrepreneurs, I mean, one of the things I've learned from a, a good friend and coach, uh, Dan Sullivan, it's strategic coach, uh, putting together a 25-year plan. And uh, all I have to do is every quarter, if I'm just improving 1% each quarter, I mean, the, the effect that has uh, you know, my business is growing exponentially. It's going to allow me to be a tenfold increase. And this is where, you know, sometimes we think we have to knock it out of the park. But when we break it down to those little pieces, that we can, you know, it's something, you know, yeah, we have faith, we've got a, you know, our clear on our goal, our plan, but boy, we break it into bite-sized pieces, we can make that happen. But to make it happen, uh, you know, this is one that so many fellow entrepreneurs know this one by heart. And, you know, I'd love, I wanted you to tell me there's a shortcut, but the, the reality is number five uh, is one that we're all familiar with. It, it takes hard work. Well, the first five steps of the process, the dream, the faith, the goal, the plan, and the stepping stones, all occurred in the privacy of my bedroom. Nobody has to see a thing. But step number six, the hard one, is called hard work. And the story I tell is when I was raised in Europe, I was craving a beverage that only was sold in America, and it was root beer. And when I returned to the United States, we bought a six-pack of root beer, and around the neck of one of the bottles were four words that changed my life. At the time, if you remember, bottles were not redeemable for, uh, for a five cent deposit, and the phrase around the neck of the bottle was, no deposit, no return. Now, the maker of the bottle is thinking about the nickel deposits. I'm thinking, no pain, no gain. No deposit, no return. A big deposit, therefore, equals a big return. And now, hard work in the pool is not a punishment or a sacrifice or an inconvenience. Now, hard work becomes an investment in my future, uh, uh, an investment in my dream. And so I love the ability to work hard because it gives me a chance to distinguish myself from all the other gifted, naturally talented swimmers, but they're not willing to do the work. And if you're willing to do the work, the results are bound to follow. Well, and it's, it, this is one of the things that we can control too, is that you know, there's all kinds of academic studies out there that after the age of 45, the biggest separation of really talent in the world is hard work. It's, you know, you'd love to hear it's intelligence or some magical formula, but it is that hard work. And, and, and really, you know, none of us, uh, certainly the, the younger generation, we, when some of us guys say you got to pay your dues, they, they don't like that terminology, but it's really this persistency, that, that focus on what you want to attain and that you know, we, we become overnight successes along the way. But, you know, John, when you, as you're sharing this, I mean, your, your number seven is willpower. And, and I gotta tell you, you know, sometimes it's hard working hard. And, and when I was listening to you, I, I was, I was there all along the way, and then I'm going, how do you do that day in and day out and have that willpower? And, and then how do you, yeah, I mean, because where it's so important for all of us, each of us are reinventing ourselves constantly. So not only you're an Olympic swimmer, but you went on to the network broadcasting, you know, author, speaker, I mean, fellow entrepreneur. I mean, 
this takes a, a little bit of energy beyond hard work, and it's that willpower. Where does that come from? Well, the thing that I noticed is that throughout Olympic history, the stories that resonate over time are not stories of individuals who coasted to an easy victory, but rather stories of individuals who triumphed over adversity, who overcame some remarkable achievement. So Greg Louganis hits his head on the diving board and falls flat in the water, and 17 minutes later he gets back on the board and gets nine and a halfs and goes on to win a gold. Uh, Mary Lou Retton needed a perfect 10 to win the gold and she sticks the landing. The, the Miracle on Ice hockey team had to overcome the Russians. What is amazing is not that Olympic champions uh, find a way to succeed over obstacles. What's amazing is that anybody would ever think that they're entitled to a life without obstacles. And so I say most people encounter an obstacle and they say, whoa, how am I going to get around that? I wonder, I wonder if I can overcome this. But Olympians encounter a similar obstacle and they go, wow, I wonder how I can get over this. And, and the small change of mind, for an Olympian, obstacles are like puzzles or riddles. And we believe there's an answer somehow, somewhere, and therefore we keep working at it. And so the great stories of Olympians who triumph over adversity, uh, like Dan Jansen, he falls down on the ice, well, he just comes back again with the same attitude, and I'm going to win, and eventually he does. Dick Fosbury invents a new way to go over the high bar because he was so committed to being successful that he wasn't going to let technique prevent him from enjoying success. And so I believe that great individuals, great champions, anticipate that their life will not be trouble-free, and they decide in advance how they intend to uh, uh, attack those obstacles that will inevitably come their way. Edwin Moses, the great hurdler, says, I love those hurdles. I love going over hurdles because those hurdles keep my competition slow and I have confidence in my ability to overcome those obstacles. That's the secret of willpower. The attitude that says, I don't mind obstacles, it'll thin out the competition, but I'm determined to overcome each and every one. Now, I love that, John. I mean, it's yeah, to me, yeah, as a fellow entrepreneur, this is one of the deciding factors, you know, that it's so easy to give up along the way. And, uh, you know, and I jokingly said overnight success. I have a, one of my favorite restaurants uh, not that long ago got ridden up and, you know, got a Michelin star and all this. And, you know, I congratulated him. And, uh, you know, and, and they, the, one of the articles talked about him being overnight success. And I had been going to that restaurant for almost 30 years. <laughs> so it's, you know, and it was the same people too. It wasn't like there was a new chef or that. And, and this is, you know, sometimes as entrepreneurs, we feel a little beaten up along the way that, you know, we're, we're I mean, because really, uh, you know, the term I like, uh, Jim Lore of Human Performance Institute wrote a book called uh, Corporate Athlete. And so much of what you did as an Olympian and your fellow Olympians did to be very successful, we have to do as entrepreneurs, as business owners. And what what he pointed out, and I thought it was very interesting, and it goes to the willpower is that, you know, 90% of the time, John, when you were an Olympian, you know, you, well, you're still an Olympian, but when you were uh, competing, what happened was that 90% was training, 10%, probably even less than that was performance. Well, as entrepreneurs, you know, typically we're just performing all the time. We don't make the time to do that. And, and, and this is something that, that's so critical. And, 
and and that willpower to continue through that is is very important but let me go to the eight and then i want to come back to kind of the overview of the similarities of entrepreneurship but is is courage i mean it's boy it's so easy to get sidetracked and be beaten up i know you know, some of my fellow entrepreneurs have had this experience and there's been days where kind of uh, some things happen and, you know, we all get knocked down. And how do we get up and have that courage to keep performing? You know, I, I never fought in a war. I never carried a gun. But I understand that people in warfare circumstances, our soldiers overseas, they're told that when the guns, when, when the bullets start flying, your courage is going to be tested. And the question is, can you aim and hit a target? The question is, can you hit a target when they're shooting back at you? It's not a question of skill and ability. It's a question of performance under pressure. And that's the unique thing about the Olympics. Because they occur once every four years, I knew well in advance on the day and hour I had to be at my best. But most entrepreneurs don't get that luxury. Most entrepreneurs don't know which prospect, which phone call is going to produce a huge return. And as a result, most entrepreneurs have to be at their best all the time. And courage is not being better than you're capable. Courage is merely being as good as you're capable, but at the right time. And so that's the way I determine that. When the phone rings, treat it as if it might be the greatest customer you've ever met. And treat them with that enthusiasm and that courtesy and that respect because you want to be at your best at that very most critical time. And so courage to me is just being at your best all the time. No, it's great, John. And I mean, this is one of the things that I think is so important. And I, I just want to go over the eight again and then come back kind of big picture. And as I'm going through what I'd like you each to think about, and this really touched me. And I got to tell you, the mastermind group of 200 financial advisors that I have the privilege of uh, serving, uh, it really resonated. And we had a whole bunch of speakers, John, by far, uh, was the number one speaker, and I was a little upset because I was I spoke a fair amount too there, John. But anyways, we'll go over that there. But the you know the eight visualize you know as I'm going through these, think about your own situation, you know your dream. What is it that you know? John said the emotional part. You know, make it real and vivid, if you will. The faith. Uh, this is something that I love. Uh, you know, why not? I mean, if somebody else can do it, yeah, and I'm, I'm with John, I'm not quite as tall, I'm a little bigger, 6'3", uh, and definitely over 200 pounds. I, I don't like horses, but I'm not gonna, <laughs> my wife loves horses, but I'm not gonna be a jockey. I have ridden horses, they don't go that fast when I'm on them. But, you know, there, there's very few things in life that you wanna do that you can't do, that faith, the goal. You know, this is where most entrepreneurs at least start with a goal, but you know, it's so easy to drop it. And we, you know, if we don't measure our progress, uh, we set ourselves up for failure. And then the strategy and plan, boy, this is one we all talk about. But what I like John sharing is that over, you know, there's so many people that have led the way, you know, and don't, there's no reason to try to do it on your own. Have great people alongside, not only your team, but coaches and individuals, short term, the, that, those steps along the way. I mean, 
And this is, we talked about breaking it out into little pieces, milliseconds. Uh, I talked about quarters for entrepreneurs, the hard work. This is where you get the, you know, that accelerating entrepre entrepreneurial success, that hard work. You know, we can differentiate ourselves so much. And, and if you have that dream, you want to realize that you can enroll your team in that and your clients. Wow. Willpower to recognize that on occasion you're going to get hit by a two by four. And that's OK. You're, you're going to power through and the courage to make your dream a reality. John, you know, they, these are lessons that are so powerful for our fellow entrepreneurs. How, how would you, you know, Really, as they're, you know, I'm going to encourage, I've got above me the uh, uh, AESNation.com. I mean, you know, definitely go get the transcript. There are so many pearls of wisdom John is sharing. But how, how do you see, you know, you've made that successful transition from, you know, a, you know, a great world-class athlete, an Olympian, to a world-class business owner, entrepreneur, and, you know, speaker, broadcaster, author, and all that. Yeah, how, how do you do that? Because, you know, that's so unusual. Well, it's been my experience that many athletes nowadays in the professional Olympic era, they believe that once they reach their, their goal, that the rest of their life should be an easy coast, that, that I'm entitled to travel first class. I'm entitled to receive speaking uh, bonuses for appearances. And I'm entitled to have my autograph open doors. Well, the moment they get there, it's like a water skier who lets go of the rope because the rope is what pulls us forward. The goal is what pulls us forward. And the, the attitude of entitlement, I think, is a real big mistake. And so uh, my attitude is, now that I'm no longer a competitive swimmer, I can use the Olympic gold medal process skills in order to guarantee my success as a speaker or as a broadcaster or as an entrepreneur. And so using those skills continues to benefit me as I go forward from that point. And one other point I really should mention, your audience, are great entrepreneurs. They probably already understand the eight steps and even apply the eight steps to them. But if you want to be a successful leader, you have to understand that those eight steps apply to your staff, to your employees, to your customers, to your vendors. That if you understand how it works, you can appeal to their dreams as well. And you can help them achieve their dreams by giving them those kinds of opportunities and sending them that kind of business, and all of a sudden it's a mutually beneficial process. The biggest difference between Olympic sport and successful entrepreneurs is Olympic sport is a win-lose proposition. For me to win, the German has to lose. But in business, as an entrepreneur, both parties have to benefit. It has to be mutually beneficial. And if you can figure out what your customers' dreams are, you can help those dreams come true, and I guarantee It'll come back to your bottom line as well. Uh, John, this has been phenomenal. And, and really, to the extent that we can make our, uh, help our clients, our customers, and our teammates you know, realize their dreams. I mean, and, and become, you know, awaken that Olympian uh, within as you talk about. I mean, that is so powerful. Uh, so let me actually, let me put you back on screen here and hold up the book again, if you would. So John actually wrote a book, Awaken the Olympian uh, Within, and, and this is so powerful. And, you know, I'm going to encourage everybody to go to asnation.com. We'll post uh, a link to John's website and information how to reach out to him. Uh, phenomenal resource. Can't recommend highly enough. 
for your team, for you know, events that you're running, workshops and so on. John, thank you. And again, you know, your clients, your future clients, your teammates, your business partners are all counting on you. Take these eight steps and awaken the Olympian within. Wish you the best of success. Exceptional, remarkable breakthroughs. AESNation.com